I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, on this episode, we are going to talk about opportunity, evaluating risk, the pros and cons of rebranding, and buying real estate in conjunction with acquiring a physical therapy practice. This is Dave Kittle and the Dave Kittle Show, practice owner at Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently acquiring physical therapy practices in the New York and New Jersey areas. And today we have one of our physical therapy colleagues on the show today, Mark Shulman. He's a physical therapist and the practice owner of the Physical Therapy Effect located in San Diego, California. And originally it was named another practice name, which we'll get into, and it was an acquisition. That's how Mark entered the owner operator and entrepreneurial world as a private practice owner. Mark, what's going on? Welcome on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. Excellent. So let's catch the audience up in regards to your situation. So you guys now are a a full-fledged team and you have employees, which we'll get into, and how you kind of ramped up and grew. What is the origin story as to your private practice? Yeah. So my practice started almost nine years ago. It'll be nine years on October 1st. I acquired a practice, small practice that was one and a half practitioners, one and a quarter practitioners from a gentleman who at the time, unfortunately, did get sick and was in a position that needed to sell his practice. I was currently working for him at the time running the practice. But at the end of the day, because the owner was the main therapist in the office, he the practice wasn't doing as well as we would have hoped, uh, especially with kind of an outside therapist running the practice for them versus the main therapist with the name on the door and everything else being out of the picture. So it just came down that eventually he realized he needed to sell the practice. And um, I was kind of in the right position at the right time for this opportunity. So at that point, that's how many years ago now? Nine years, October 1st. Nine years. So at that point, maybe around that nine or nine plus year mark, did you already have ownership or goals of being a practice owner on your mind? Was that something that you were already thinking about? Maybe you were looking for a space at that time or maybe considering it in the distant future? Or was it more like this opportunity came across your lap and like all of a sudden you maybe accelerated your your thoughts and, and your consideration around acquiring a practice and, and going into business? Yeah, sure. So I um I'd always felt as though I was going to own my own practice at some point, I, whether it was going to be from a start from the ground up or from acquiring something. I think I was probably one of the very few people who took the PT business class in uh, PT school very seriously. I think I probably was the only person that kept that book from the APTA, the, the soft cover book that that, uh, that we got. And I remember even at that time, when we were filling out all the spreadsheets from the the professor at the time and going across and reading all the formulas and dropping in numbers and makeshift numbers that, oh man, this is easy. You just get five patients. This is how much they pay you. This is great. But then I started to realize, wait, these numbers don't add up. So I actually even corrected the professor's um, Excel spreadsheet. And it was the first time I think she said in five years she'd been using the 
the Excel spreadsheet and no one had ever even looked at it because for the most part, most people don't necessarily think, oh my gosh, I'm going to start a practice when I'm in PT school. They're concerned about musculoskeletal or neuro or one of the other more substantial classes for what we do. So I think I knew at that point I was going to go into business at some point on my own. At the point that I started the physical therapy effect, it was about three years out of school. I felt at the time I probably should not start yet. I didn't really have any guidance at the time. And I thought, well, you know, you're supposed to maybe work for about five years under a couple of different people and get some mentorship before you really should go out on your own. And again, in this case, it was just the opportunity presented itself. And I don't, and I thought to myself at the time, I'm going to regret not trying this. If I, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. If I let somebody else come in here and I manage the clinic for them and realize I could have been doing this, I could have, I could have started this practice over. I could have built this practice to something that I believe in, think that it would have been a very, very regretful moment in my life. And I'm glad I took the leap. And how did either you, you know, how did you evaluate and assess the practice? How did you, you know, did you, did you come up with an offer? Did the owner have some ballpark asking price? How did that go? Because obviously this was your first potential deal, first potential transaction. Like you said, physical therapists, we don't get a lot of business training in school or business classes. So how did that go in regards to assessing the value of this practice from your side and the owner's side? Yeah. So from my side, I knew what the practice was doing in business. I saw I was seeing the majority of the patients at the time. I knew what the average reimbursement rate was at the time for each for each patient. So I kind of had a general idea of where he was at. I knew what I was getting paid. I knew that you know what my insurance cost and things like that. I didn't necessarily know everybody's salary. There was you know one front desk person at the time, things like that. And so the one lucky thing that I had that I know that not everybody has is I have to have a family connection to a CPA firm. And so what worked out in my favor is I had an understanding of, okay, let's open up their books and let's see where we're going with this. But again, I think I, at the time, if I remember correctly, I went back to that, that book and that class that I took in college. And I said, what am I supposed to do here? So I actually did do a full business plan. I did a SWOT analysis on the, on the practice at the time. I looked at the competition in the area. I knew who some of the other big players were around town, at least within a, a short distance of us. And so that kind of came to the point. The other thing that ended up in my favor, the previous owner was shopping the practice around a bit. And he did have other interests from other practices. And he actually had me sit in on one of the meetings with him. And I got the sense from that meeting that even the other practices kind of looked at it and said, no, look, the practice is not worth a ton of money where the, where the money really lies. And we'll kind of discuss this in, in future, I think, as we move forward, is this practice came with some real estate. And so the real kind of backstop to this was the real estate. So yeah, there was going to be a price in mind for both things separately, and they were two separate transactions. but the owner had and a number in his, in his uh, in his mind. We were sitting in the meeting, and the um, owner of the other practice kind of made the made the point that practice wasn't necessarily worth as much as the current owner had thought. But there was the real estate involved, and that was where, at the time, the money was really most of the money was going to come into play. And so, at that time, it, you know, I started to think about it on my end. 
this is going to be two separate transactions. There's going to be a purchase of a PT business and there's going to be a purchase of real estate. And so that way I could start to think, well, even if I decide to do one or the other, I think either way, it's, I'm going to end out ahead. If I can figure out a way to do both, I think I'm going to end out very far ahead. So those were the two things that I started to think about. And then, you know, I think on my end of this, I started to develop the business plan. I started to do the SWOT analysis. And then I said, okay, let's open up their books and see where they really are at. Where's their debt? Where's their, what's the income look like truly? What does the revenue actually look like? And what does our bottom line look like on this, on this business at this point? And again, I, I think we discussed in the pre-interview that the business was starting to go downhill. And again, just because the owner was no longer a part of the business. Got it. And so then when did the owner, like, was it multiple different prospective buyers? Maybe they didn't, maybe the owner didn't fully disclose it with you or to you at that point, but did they continue to shop it around? When did the owner kind of say, you know, okay, maybe like, did you show interest first? Did the owner say something to you to kind of gauge your interest? How did that next step go? So he had mentioned that he was interested in in selling the practice. And immediately I kind of said, understanding, knowing that he was sick and the illness that he had, I knew that he was going to have to sell it. So I did approach him at one point and finally say, you know, look, when you're ready, I'm interested. And if we can come to an agreement, I would love to do this. And in one of the meetings, you know, there was a group that was significantly larger. I think at the time they maybe had six to eight clinics. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. And they could have easily outbid me on this whole process. But they actually, while I was sitting in the meeting, they said, listen, if if Mark is in position and he's the one that wants it, you guys should try and come to a deal there. So I, I was very appreciative of that company for saying, you know what? We're not in the business of just acquiring practices. We want to partner with somebody. We want to build with somebody. And if Mark is in that position, then he can do it. If Mark needs or if I need help, then they'd be happy to back me or step in a little bit and in different ways and and things like that. And I thought that was a wonderful gesture by them. But I also realized I didn't want to be working for someone else. I realized that pretty early on in my career, I think I was not very good at working for other people. And so again, I needed to take this risk and take this jump on my own and see where it took me. Excellent. And so then why don't we talk whether you want to give some details, higher level stuff, but in regards to any of the financing capital structure or just how you were able to get this type of a deal done. If, if it's a solo practice and it was just the practice, then typically it's going to require less capital, less money down. And then in this type of an arrangement for you, it's the physical therapy practice, which was worth X. And then there was the real estate and which is worth X or, or Y. And, and usually it's going to require a lot more capital for the real estate. So how did just for the audience that anyone that's interested in kind of following your type of path going from a uh, staff physical therapist and and maybe they get this type of an opportunity where they come across a, a boss, a mentor, someone that is a practice owner and and or maybe has some of that real estate available. What was the arrangement with the capital stack? How did so you you kind of mentioned already that there was like two separate transactions, like one transaction, one deal for the practice and then the other for the real estate. So how did how did all of this go in regards to the capital structure was this um was this finance? Was this something that you already had covered in regards to your your own capital funds? Yeah. So the the it, again, it's two separate transactions. So we'll start with the PT transaction first. The PT transaction first was again looking at the practice. It wasn't doing very well. So 
it wasn't a, a situation where this is a practice that's thriving, that's growing every single year, year in, year out. He really never had more than one and a half to two therapists, basically him and one other therapist working. So um, he never grew beyond that. And at some points he would grow lower and then he would go up. And then by the time it was over, it was just me working. So the practice was only worth a small amount. So really what it was, was it was a percentage up front. It was one capital payment up front. And I did a 5% total revenue per month for two years. So revenue generated, he, he got 5% every month. I got a check for two years, the last check being the sweetest. And we came to the agreement and, and it worked out perfectly. He was happy. I was happy. I think it put some stress on me for a few months. But at the same time, I think he recognized if I do well, he does well. And so even though he was not involved in the growth process and I did certain things that maybe brought the business down before it built back up, at the end of the day, they still, both him and his wife got a payout that lasted for two years. And it was a, at the end of the day, it, it came out to be a fair price for the practice. And then on the real estate side of things, that was definitely financing. I did get involved, you know, I, I went to a couple of different banks to kind of see what my options were um, as far as commercial real estate goes. And the one thing that I was kind of educated on was an SBA loan. So the Small Business Administration loan, which I think everybody knows about now as far as the PPP is concerned, but they also do things called a 504 loan where in actuality, you don't actually put 20% down on your property. You can put 10% down as long as the building at the time is owner-occupied. There's also a bunch of other stipulations involved. They are a little bit more confining as far as loans go with what you can and can't do with the property. But for a therapist who's just kind of starting out, I think it actually worked out really well in my favor to get that advice. You know, I think initially I was, it was a lot of stress and a lot of things going on all at once. And I wasn't totally happy with that idea. But in the end, the SBA loan worked out incredibly well. And I would encourage people to actually look into that. And again, I'm not getting any reimbursements for this or any paid ads for this one, but I do think it actually worked out really, really well for me. And it got me in, it got my foot in the door. It got me the property that I currently have my practice in. And you know, I, I couldn't be happier with that. I think um, eventually I got to the point that I was able to refinance it and kind of go away from the SBA so that I have a little bit more flexibility with the way that I run my business. But yeah, it, it worked out really well for me as far as the, the two transactions went. And the original, the way it worked was on October 1st of 2013, I closed on the, on the PT practice. And that was interesting because it was a, I think it was a Tuesday. So Monday I was, uh, Adam's physical therapy and Tuesday I was in the physical therapy effect. So I had bought temporary signs to hang up and things like that. And leading up to it, I had let patients know what was happening and how it was all going to go down. But it was kind of weird that it was, we ended it on the end of the month instead of the end of the week. And so it just ended up that it was like a Monday to a Tuesday. So it was kind of funny how that worked out. But in that time frame, the other thing that occurred was the real estate wasn't going to close for another, I think it was 60 days. It was right before Christmas, I think. Actually, might have been right after Christmas of that year. So we worked out in this deal as well. Another moving part was, well, for two to three months, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna own this property. So I have to pay rent. Right. right. So we worked out a fair price for rent, rent market rate at the time. And I gave, I think I gave a little bit more again because I didn't necessarily give a ton of money up front. 
I gave a little bit more on the rent because it was like, well, this is kind of ongoing revenue and cash flow and things like that. And so giving a little bit more in rent was okay with me for three months. So we're kind of down that road. Just for your audience, let me double click on the SBA component. So you can, there's, there's two different, uh, tracks. So the 7A loan program is for business acquisitions. So kind of like things that we're looking to do. And now Mark, we're going to get into, he's now looking into potential subsequent acquisitions and the, the loan program for real estate, it was 504. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a 504 loan. And you mentioned, because I'm not too familiar with it, because again, our whole plan and our mm-hmm. strategy is not buying real estate. So we want to be leaseholders and, and have lease agreements that are, you know, hopefully 10, 15 years in length or, or longer. So you mentioned just uh, with the 504 program, you would have to be, you said owner operator or a occupancy. What was the stipulation? Like basically, so, if, the, stipulation, if the, so the stipulation that I was told was that when you buy the real estate through the 504 program, it needs to be an owner-occupied uh, building. So, and it can only be used for certain things, right? So you can't use it as, okay, well, I'm going to be a real estate investor and I'm going to buy a bunch of properties under this 504 loan, get this great rate, only have to put 10% down and just kind of keep turning and burning and, and renting out my properties and doing all these other things. Um, so they do limit you in that. But for instance of what we needed to do or what I needed to do at the time, this was a great opportunity for me. And again, it got me to a point now where I got to a point where I was comfortable with the business I had, the rent that I was, you know, the, the PT business pays rent to the real estate business, which technically are separate entities. And there's a, there's a whole host of reasons for that. And luckily I had a really good attorney who uh, advised me on that, but there's a whole host of reasons to keeping those two things separate. And so eventually I did get to the point that I no longer felt that the SBA was the right way for me because I wanted a little bit more flexibility, especially as we continue to grow. And if I need to move out of our space, I can either rent this space out now to either another business or I can there actually live work. So it could be residential as well. So that was kind of a, a perk as well. So, but the initial getting my foot in the door, the SBA was fantastic. Awesome. So when you did the refi, the refinance, that was, was that done with a local institution, a local commercial bank or, or what? institution. Yeah, so I did a, a local a local credit union. I actually made a contact with someone who was in the commercial real estate mortgage broker and uh so you know I reached out to them because at the time when I first started I didn't really have a network of people. I didn't know real estate brokers at the time. I didn't really know mortgage brokers at the time. I didn't really know much about it. So it was a big learning process. Um but over the years, I've, I've met more and more people in, in different fields and um, happened to have somebody who was in the commercial loan business. And I reached out to them. I hadn't spoken to them in a while. And I said, Hey, look, I'm looking to refinance the property. You know, is this thing you could help me out with? And, you know, he jumped at the opportunity and, and uh, we went with a, a local credit union. And so it's a great opportunity for me. And um, it actually lowered my rate a little bit. So that's even better. I get to make a little bit more money off of that. But, um, uh, just another way to kind of supplement my income um, is with the real estate property or real estate. Were you able, if you can recall the uh, the, the numbers, were you able to lower the interest rate by two percent or more, or was it uh, you know one no. one something? No, it was it was a big drop. It was definitely over two percent at the time. I think you know 2013, a good loan number was like low fives, 
And, uh, you know, now in the last two years, obviously everybody's kind of seen that the rates have been significantly lower. So I think, um, I'm locked in, in a, in a low threes now. So awesome. pretty, pretty happy with that, which is quite a significant number, obviously, as you consider the, the price of a, of a real estate business or a real estate purchase. Awesome. Excellent. So then once you had it done, what were some of the challenges? What were any unexpected, uh, experiences, challenges, headaches, or anything like that? Once you, you took over the space, then you, and then it was a rebrand. So now it was the physical therapy effect. How did that go? What were the, was there any confusion on the patient side? How did the integration go of you now getting into that space and having new branding? Yeah. So it was a lot of trial and error in the beginning. Again, I, I don't think I had this, the mentorship at the time. I, I, you know, the person that I was working for at the time, I was hoping was going to help kind of grow me into that type of person. Um, that was the position I was looking for when I took the job at the company I was at. But I had worked for other companies where I was involved in some of the marketing. And so I went back to and I reverted to that old concept of going to doctors and bringing them lunch and notepads and swag and whatever. And, you know, trying to rebrand as I'm going to treat one patient per hour. It's only therapists, no aids, no techs. And I think at the time, to be honest, most of the doctors didn't really care. And so I found that it was a little bit harder to continue to go out to doctors and spend money on that kind of marketing and lunches. And next thing you know, you're going to a, a doctor's office that's 45 people and you're spending 250 bucks on, on lunch or 300 bucks on lunch. And you know, you're lucky if you happen to get five minutes with a doctor or the referral coordinator or whoever it might be. And I just realized that that wasn't going to be the way to go eventually. And so we started trying to do a few more community events, things like we have a lot of street fairs around the, in the area. So we would just go to street fairs and give people information and we'd put our skeleton up outside and that was a big draw. Most people really liked that one. We, uh, we started going to 5Ks. I think a lot of people like to do that. Uh, eventually, we started doing a lot of cycling events. We, I'm a big cyclist. So we started to realize like, hey, let's go to cycling events and see what we can get out of that and partner with some of them. And they did a lot of cross-branding for us and cross-marketing, which was great and letting them know we were there and doing different stretching activities, warm-ups, things like that. So that really started to work. And then, you know, I think the next thing that we really started to do, I went with word of mouth. I love word of mouth. I think I always wanted to be a practice that built on word of mouth, whether it's, you know, nowadays with Google ads and, and reviews and things like that. But to me, if somebody comes in and then they send their friend or their family member to me, that's the best compliment. That's the best review I could ever get from anybody. Um, and I don't, you know, no matter how many reviews I get on Google or whatever, the person who actually sends their family member into me, mother, father, daughter, son, cousin, whatever, you just don't get any better uh, review than that. So what I started to realize is even though we're in a pretty big city here, my slice of the pie very much within at least a mile of me. And um, I think we really started to just focus on our community and focus on all the buildings that were going up around here and all the 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 local people that they're going to be the ones that support us. You know, we're, we're in a downtown area. We're not really going to get a lot of people driving from 20 minutes away to come and, and get physical therapy once or twice a week. Um, so I, I started to realize that and uh, we, we just continued to focus on that. And I think one of the things that really helped us, believe it or not, is as simple as it sounds is we have a sandwich board sign outside, you know, an A-frame sign with catchy phrases on it every once in a while. And we get people who just stop by and they see our sign and they, they walk in and they ask us, Hey, what's this all about? Or 
can you treat me today? In some cases, back in the day, it was a little easier to do that. Nowadays, it's, you know, yeah, we can treat you, but it's, you know, maybe tomorrow or the next day. Or we get a phone call from somebody and they say, oh, you know, I see your signs all the time. Um, I got a referral from a doctor. Can I come see you? So actually the patient's coming and finding us versus, you know, the doctor knowing us. And again, we maybe we get somebody who searches us on Google, but, and we get it through that medium, but, you know, they come in and we start chatting with them. They're like, yeah, you know, I just live in the neighborhood. I always see your signs. So I looked you up on the internet and sure enough, you were right there and, and it worked out. So I think the trials and tribulations was I started with doctors meetings. It really wasn't working very well for me. I was spending a lot of money, not getting a lot on my return. I think I still have all those prescription pads in a box in my office somewhere. Uh, you know, I got probably 2000 or 3000 sticky notes, I, you know, with my logo on it. And, um, and, and we use those for scrap paper now, you know, or we use them around our office. I don't, I don't give them out very much anymore. I think I did chapstick at one point. That was fun because at least I got chapstick out of the deal, but it went from that to focus on the community. And I think that was the biggest rebrand that I, I really noticed was because the previous owner, he was really into a lot of the third party networks um, out there that I think a lot of clinics, a lot of bigger clinics might do as far as their, um, their initial way to kind of get credentialed sometimes, or just make it easier to get referrals. Those referral networks that could just kind of, well, we guarantee you 25 patients a month, but you're going to take this, this reimbursement that we give you. And that's the new patient. That's how it works. Um, so I moved away from that. And I really had to do a lot of patient education to a lot of people in the, in the neighborhood at the time. Well, we don't necessarily take all of your insurance. So there was a lot of patient ed- education up front. And, and I think back at the time, you know, in 2013, there wasn't as many people looking for out of network or looking for one-on-one care because I don't, you know, it started to come around in the late 2000s. I think I'm sure there's clinics who are significantly older than me that, that have been doing one-on-one for a long time. But, um, you know, that, well, I'm just going to pay cash. My insurance should cover something else. They didn't really know what they were actually getting. And to this day, they still, you know, we still have to do a lot of patient education, but it's been, kind of been a lot easier nowadays that most people just know us and they call us up. We're not searching as much. We're more on the, they're finding us and we're just, bringing people in versus I'm searching for patients. Got it. I want to switch over to your future plans now on acquisitions to to further potentially uh, acquire other practices. Before we do that, anything else, any final uh, recap or final comments on your whole experience with the acquisition, the first acquisition, the integration of that and the real estate, any other final takeaways or pretty much that we covered it? I think we covered it. The only thing I'd say is that for anybody that's interested in the, in the whole process, Having a, getting an idea of the right people in your life is is really important. And again, I got lucky enough to have a family connection to a CPA, so that was kind of the start. But having a CPA that you can trust, um, getting an attorney on your side is always always a good idea. I know that they're expensive, but at the end of the day, you can find a good attorney who um, you know is either going to take payment over time, which at the time I I did right. I couldn't afford three hundred fifty or five hundred dollars an hour to pay somebody up front. So I made a deal with any attorney I ever worked with at the time. Look, I'll pay you, you know, whatever it ends up being, I'm going to pay you every month and I'll pay you a minimum of this. Um, and I'll get through it. And they agree. So they want to work with you. They want the business. They know they're going to get the money out of you one way or another. So I would say, make sure you have a good small team. It doesn't take a lot. CPA attorney, maybe a mentor or two. Right. Yeah. If you're a therapist, if you're a healthcare provider, 
and you also may already have student loans or student loan debt, and then you're looking at the fear of paying for an accountant or a lawyer, trust us, Mark, you can listen to Mark, you can listen to us, but listen to me, but trust us, it is worth the investment. And like, there you go. So then Mark got creative and said, hey, like, okay, I know it's it might be uh, in some cases, depending on the firm and the scope of the project of this potential acquisition, it could be, you know, it could be thousands or it could be tens of thousands of dollars. And someone that already has student loan debt, that could be, you know, a really big challenge or, or issue for them to even think about. So get creative, ask them for a payment plan, check your network, you know, speak to alumni at any of your undergrad or, or graduate schools, all that. All right. So now you are also interested in growing through acquisition. So you're in San Diego. Cost of real estate is expensive, just like it is here in New York City. Why grow through acquisition? Why not open a second or third location on your own where you, you know, find uh, open lease space? Um, you you may, you know, it depends what depending on what, what is out there. Um, you're probably not going to find a practice that also has real estate. I, I think nowadays it's less common, but who knows what you'll uh, you'll find. So why not um, go find? Why not just open up a second location? And, and find a, a lease space rather than pursuing another acquisition? Yeah, sure. So, you know, the, the, the first part of that is opening from the ground up. And we've actually looked into that a bunch. I, I Over the course of the last probably three or four years, I've been scouting different locations. And I happen to, again, have somebody in the commercial real estate business that when they find something, they kind of just send it to me and say, Hey, you know, are you interested in something like this? It's kind of in the, you know, I gave them a price range of what I was looking for. And they, they say, well, this is a great area. Maybe this will work for you. So just little tidbits. It's, it's kind of almost like they send me a newsletter basically every month with here's what your possibilities could be. And we've entered into negotiations several times actually with property owners, real estate, uh, or, or property owners, and it just never worked out. You know, I think one of the hard things with getting a lease here and especially on, on the PT side of things, but getting a lease here in San Diego, you could easily enter into a fifteen to $20,000 lease per month in a lot of places. And, you know, I think my niche is not in, in gym space, right? So, so into a, a CrossFit box or, um, a, you know, a gym studio is not really necessarily our niche group. So, you know, I know that's one way that a lot of people do go in that route. And we have sort of played around with that idea, but didn't really feel like it was the right fit for us. And when I look at some of these other spaces, I want room to grow. I don't want to take a three-year lease and then have to start another, you know, find another lease and grow business and do all this other stuff. So I actually do ask for significant leases. I ask for a minimum of five years. Most of the time I'm asking for seven to 10 years on a lease. And Unfortunately, that gets redlined almost every single time. And most landlords here, for whatever reason, only want to do a three-year lease at a time. And I'm not really sure why that is. And my agent has never really given me an idea of, well, this is why they don't want it. Um, my assumption is the market here is ever-changing and incredibly hot. And you know, properties around where my current practice is, if it's not nailed down, if you're in a lease, I've seen leases get terminated. I've seen properties get sold. And they'll sell the property right out from underneath you. And, and then you're, you know, you're struggling to find another location. So I think for me, the control part of having that real estate and being able to weather that storm, especially, you know, during COVID was paramount in my ability to do certain things. But so we've looked into 
starting from the ground up again and trying to find a smaller space and kind of what fits our area and what we're looking for. And just nothing has really kind of really gotten us excited. We like, I like being on the, uh, on a walkable area. I want, um, I want to be able to have my doors open. We're in sunny San Diego. So um, have my doors open 300 days a year or more is what kind of draws people into our clinic and, and that walk-in. And so finding that similar niche is is kind of tough. And it's usually that's usually storefront property in most cities. And that tends to come at a higher premium. So it's it's a little bit harder to find those places rather than going into some building and kind of being off the street and somebody has to go on an elevator to get up to you. People can just walk into my office and, and I, I like that. So I'm looking for things like that. The second part of that is why I go towards acquisitions. I think I look at it as it's another challenge for me. And I, I like figuring out the numbers. And you know, I told you I liked the creative aspect of kind of figuring out a way for me to buy the, this current practice without saying, okay, here's this big check up front. Here's this, well, I'm going to give you a smaller check up front and I'm going to work to make you money and I'm going to work to make me money over the next two years and maybe a few other incentives in there to to help me grow my business, but also you get what you want. And I think I like that aspect of the PT business. That's the maybe the entrepreneurial side of me that looks at that's a different kind of a problem, right? We look at somebody who comes in with neck pain and we do all of our testing and our range of motion and, and joint play and everything else like that to figure out how do we best make this person work biomechanically? Well, for me, I think I get excited about the idea of how do I make how do I take my business and replicate it into maybe a second clinic? But how do I maybe do that with acquiring someone else and, and maybe just taking that over and bringing some of their ideas together and some of my ideas together? And I think that's also how I always treat. I'm never a one-size-fits-all type of person. Somebody once told me, everything works some of the time, nothing works all the time. And um, I love that quote. So for me, I think this is... I want to bring other people's experience and I want to bring my experience and make the next practice or this company bigger and better. And that's what I look forward to. And I think that's what the exciting part of the PT business side, right? Nobody wants to... The exciting thing is not doing your bank statements and your P&Ls and, and your bank jumps into QuickBooks every month. It's what's next. Would you consider an acquisition more than 50 or 100 miles away? Would you consider an acquisition in another state? Uh, if there's a practice owner that happens to watch this or listen to this and kind of likes what you have to say and and uh, maybe you know reaches out to you in the future to get a sense of your your thoughts around their practice, if they thought that you would be the best fit potentially, would you would you consider you know Northern California or you know Nevada or any other states? Yeah, and I actually would. I mean, I think at one point I was even looking, you know, not that I was looking in Northern California per se, right off the bat, but I, I have looked at, you know, about a hundred miles away or at a hundred miles north of here, you're looking at almost LA, Orange County, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, those, those areas are certainly areas that are very easy for us to potentially transition and, and acquire and, and continue to build. And um, I think those are markets, again, where I'm looking for the right type of market where I can find somebody that I want to grow with them. And it doesn't necessarily mean the owner has to be there to grow with forever, but the staff is there. And and I, I think you've had a lot of people on your podcast that have talked about culture. And I look at that. What's the culture of the staff? Because those are the people who are going to grow with me. 
as I continue to grow this business, you know, if you come in and take over a practice and everybody's gone, then that doesn't really work for, for the acquisition process. And so I think the most important is actually that staff involved, you know, maybe there's a managing therapist in there. Maybe there's a, a therapist who's been there for three or four years and might have some entrepreneurial goals of their own. And even that, again, going back to that statement earlier, where the other company, when I had the opportunity to purchase this practice, said, well, if Mark's in position, you know, let him go first. We'll partner with him if necessary, anything else like that. I would say the same thing to any other practice owner, you know, if, if or, or um, practice manager or, or senior staff therapist or just a therapist who's maybe got that itch to start their own practice, but they're a little bit nervous to do it on their own. You know, that's that's the perfect type of person for me. I want somebody that, hey, you know what? I don't want to do it on my own. I, I would love to get into this world, but I don't know if I have the finance the finances or the business acumen to do it right off the bat. Um, you know, would you be interested in partnering in some way, one way or another? And yeah, to me, that's another great way to get creative when building your practice or building your brand or or acquiring a practice. I think it's just another crafty, again, crafty, unique way for us to grow. So got it. Well, hindsight's 2020, the acquisition was eight or nine years ago. If you had that opportunity back then and the real estate was not part of it, would you have acquired that practice? Yeah, I would have done it. I don't think I could have slept at night if I didn't try it. Again, going back to the point that I made earlier, it was just me. And if I failed, I knew that I, I knew that I'm smart enough and I knew that I was, I, I was in a, in a business that, look, if, if, if one thing fails, there's always opportunity. Healthcare is always growing. PTs are always in demand. You can always go out there and find a job. It might not be the job you want or, or are dying for, but you can get a paycheck and, um, and, uh, you can start to regrow yourself again from there. So I think that was the, the biggest thing that pushed me forward was that if I didn't do this, I knew I would regret it. And so I couldn't let that happen. Wow. Excellent. Um, I think that's a great place to pause. Probably would be a good idea to have you back on the future to talk more about uh, some of the, we can go further into the, into the, uh, the weeds of, of acquisitions and even maybe some of the real estate or your future progress. Um, so if there's an owner or a physical therapist that is interested in connecting with you, uh, first of all, you guys can check out Mark's practice. The physical therapy effect is online. You can check out their website at pteffect.com. Is there any other place, Mark, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, any other place or email address, any, anywhere for someone to reach out to you and connect with you further? Sure. You can um, reach out to me via LinkedIn, or you can always reach out to me uh, at my email address. It's uh, M as in Mark Shulman, S-H-U-L-M-A-N at pteffect.com. Those are the probably the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Excellent. So that's it for the show today. If you guys find this valuable, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe so that you get notified of future episodes when they are published. And give us some feedback. Let us know. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Give us some feedback as to uh, topics or things that you like or don't like. Let us know. And that will further improve the show as we progress forward. So that's it for myself and Mark here on The Dave Kittle Show. And we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N 
C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com, or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884. 